So The Undertaker retired. Um, now, for those of you who are not uh, of the geek persuasion and haven't been um, in the know about wrestling, professional wrestling, The Undertaker is a wrestler um, who's been in the professional wrestling ring for many, many years. Um, I forget how many, but, you know, it's like three decades or something like that. And um, so the, this guy, well, first of all, let me make it completely clear what, what my perspective is on wrestling. Because I know, you know, a lot of people out there will probably, you know, think, uh, isn't it fake? You know, you get that comment all the time whenever you reveal to somebody that you like wrestling. Um so wrestling to me is a bunch of men and women who are highly athletic, who can do some really, really impressive physical feats, things that, you know, the average person cannot do, um, who are skilled at telling stories through physical combat and this physical combat is scripted it is a show um, some of the stuff that they do is not full contact some of it is meant to seem like full contact but it is not but some of the other stuff that they do like landing on your back from the top rope and uh, from the from the turnbuckle um, you know slamming down to the ground on top of you know three dudes um, being hit in the back by a steel chair, you know, all that sort of stuff. You, you can't fake that, <laughs> you know. Um, sure, you can try to make the surface, you know, padded, you know, the ground, the floor, for example, outside the ring padded so that when you do jump on top of those three dudes and you fall, all you, all of you fall on the ground. Yeah, you, you can, you know, add some padding to try to, you know, soften the, the floor. But if you're falling on steel uh good luck you know and the ring itself if you've ever seen the construction of a wrestling ring um this is not foam this isn't padded this is it's wood underneath a very thin pad and um you know the way that these people land on their backs and sides and all sorts of body parts on that ring it's it's uh it's pretty shocking and you know you know that it's high impact and you know that it is a rough thing because a lot of these people develop very serious injuries you know trauma head trauma etc and they do it all for the purpose of entertaining i mean you know professional wrestling is by far one of the oldest forms of entertainment um out there and it's not for everybody. But then again, neither is baseball or football or soccer. You know what I mean? I enjoy basketball, but I uh, can't remember the last time I sat through a football game. Can't remember the last time I sat through a baseball game. I personally find baseball pretty boring. Um, basketball to me is pretty exciting. Uh, I love UFC, uh, you know, and, and uh Stuff that has to do with MMA, you know, I, I do enjoy that. Some boxing, perhaps. Um, 
But yeah, in the same way, this sort of entertainment isn't for everybody. Um, so having said that, that's, <laughs> that's my disclaimer, okay? I'm very much aware of what wrestling is. I do think, however, that it has a negative connotation or, you know, people take it to an extreme when by by labeling it as uh, oversimplified as it's fake no no there's a difference between something being scripted and you know physical impact being fake or real um and that that's you know a lot of that stuff is definitely real so anyway all right um i started watching wrestling back when i was um, in third grade. So I was born and raised in Colombia until I was about eight years old. I got to the U.S. when I was eight to start second grade. This was in Miami. I did second grade in Miami. Then I had to head over to New York with my mom. And I spent third grade in New York. And in New York, I spent a lot of time indoors inside my room. I was, let's just say I didn't have much to do, you know, outside. Um, so what ended up happening is that I discovered this love for wrestling. I started watching um, WWF at the time. And immediately, the very first character that completely captured my imagination was this character known as The Undertaker. And so The Undertaker, in case you've never heard of him, is basically this wrestler who has the overall appearance of just that, an Undertaker, somebody who buries people in uh, in a cemetery. And he would come out, you know, dressed completely in black with these purple gloves, at least, you know, back then. Purple gloves... Ugh. Ugh, excuse the yawning, but, you know, I do record this when I'm in bed, ready to sleep, so. Um, purple gloves, uh, he used to wear, like, purple covering, purple shin guards or something over his uh, foot gear. Um, long hair that covered most of his face, you know, draped over his face even. Um, always looked very pale, and he always kind of gave himself these um what do you call those things the dark circles underneath the eye in spanish we call them ojeras and um he walked out with trench coat on all the way to the ring he used to walk out with this guy called paul bearer which again you know play on words for you know a paul bearer another person involved in the death of, or rather the, you know, burial and all that of someone. And, um, again, his, his entire persona was very silent. He spoke very little. Paul Bearer was his manager and he's the one that did the majority of the speaking. And there were many caskets involved and many graveyards, uh, involved in the promos, uh, which are, you know, short segments where the wrestlers talk and they taunt each other and they threaten each other and all that kind of stuff. Um, during those promos, there were, you know, all of them, almost all of them were shot um, 
out in graveyards or in the wood shop where the undertaker would, uh, you know, reportedly uh, create his caskets and all that stuff. So, you know, it was a character all cloaked in darkness. And the character evolved a lot throughout the years. Um, always keeping that um, flavor of darkness to him, though. And, uh, you know, with the exception of a period of time where he completely changed uh, his persona, his character. And he became a much lighter version of The Undertaker called the All-American Badass. Um, looked more like a biker than an Undertaker, really. But he retained the same name. Now, in the wrestling world, in wrestling lingo, the character, the persona that the wrestler portrays is known as a gimmick. And there's been many, many gimmicks throughout the years when it comes to wrestling, professional wrestling. Um, a lot of them have come and gone. You know, everything from clowns to sumo wrestlers to garbage men to tax collectors to policemen to, uh, you know, psychopaths and killers to, uh, you know, all American heroes to, <laughs> you know, just about every damn thing you can imagine. Um, if it can be, you know, pulled off on in a wrestling ring, it's been done, you know, but the Undertaker's gimmick, the dark one, is a gimmick that somehow has managed to stand the test of time. And that's fascinating to me, man. You know, and so much of it has to do with the fact that um, the, the man, the performer, a man called Mark Calloway, um, he committed to this character, to this gimmick, 100%. Like, there's a, there's, and this is known as kayfabe. Um, kayfabe in the wrestling world is basically the maintaining the illusion, let's say. It's the... It's the illusion that you maintain while you're playing that character in the ring and while you're, you know, talking to your rivals and all that kind of stuff. And breaking kayfabe was something that was very, very sacred and delicate back in the day. So um, you rarely ever saw one of these wrestlers out of character. But of course, that was extremely easy back when not, you know, people didn't walk around with a video camera or a photo camera in their damn pockets, you know, in the form of, you know, fucking uh, um, phones and whatnot. Back then, it was a lot easier to maintain that anonymity and to not, uh, you know, have to worry about people seeing you out of character. A lot of these wrestlers didn't even, you know, people didn't even know what they looked like without their, you know, their outfit or whatever, their headgear. 
And so, um, whew, sorry. Clearly, today I'm I'm ready for my head to hit that pillow. But let me finish this thought first. Um, the Undertaker, though, even as times change, even with the advent of social media, even with the advent of the mobile phone, even with all of that, this dude managed to commit to his gimmick you know just so completely <laughs> that even in modern days it's rare to see any kind of footage or photos of Mark Calloway out of character you know breaking kayfabe now mind you in the last five years probably that's when the majority of these instances these rare instances have been seen you know to the public eye of course backstage you know people know him as mark calloway you know people know the man they don't you know he, he's not undertaker uh backstage as well um but in front of the fans man it's what a fucking job this guy did of keeping kayfabe alive for this character of the undertaker and that has made him in my opinion the greatest performer in the wrestling world i really really think it's difficult for anyone else to compare because the guys who have been able to maintain and to uh to maintain longevity in that business you know guys like hulk hogan like rick flair are dudes who i mean their characters were kind of just amped up versions of themselves you know they were you know i mean from you know terry terry hogan to hulk hogan i don't know you know there's not a whole ton of difference all he has to do is throw together, you know, a couple of specific, you know, clothing pieces and accessories and boom, he's Hulk Hogan. You know, same thing with Ric Flair, right? He walks out in a suit, a regular suit. Boom, he's Ric Flair. He doesn't have to, you know, wear anything more elaborate than that, really. Because they're just like exaggerated versions of who they are normally. And so The Undertaker, he, that wasn't the case for him, you know. He truly had to get in character. To, to, to bring The Undertaker to life. And so he protected that gimmick with everything he had. And it's so admirable, man. Um, bottom line is that during the last few years, he was followed around by a um, documentary crew from the WWE, from World Wrestling Entertainment, which is how the WWF has now become come to be known. And they recorded him and followed him throughout the years as he little by little wrestled, no pun intended, with the idea of truly retiring. And this is a guy who's, I think, is 55 years old. However, he has had more surgeries than, <laughs> than he can count, I think, in all his fingers and toes. Uh, no joke, like that's not an exaggeration. The dude has truly had a, a ridiculous amount of surgeries, 
and you know he's battered his body i mean he's outlasted so many damn people in that industry and he's now going up against you know whenever he wrestled he'd be going up against these much younger much more athletic high flying guys and if, take away the high flying part just the fact that he's going against you know dudes who are in their 20s and 30s versus him who is 55 and beat down like hell that already puts him at a disadvantage and yet there he was kicking ass you know um giving it his all literally and um the WWE released a five-part documentary about him called The Last Ride, which is also the name of one of his wrestling moves. And at the end of the documentary, he formally announced that he was retiring. And mind you, um, I thought that he was that he had retired like three years ago. He did this very symbolic gesture where after a match with a wrestler called Roman Reigns. He folded his trench coat, laid it down on the in the middle of the wrestling ring. He put his gloves there on top of the trench coat and then he put his hat, his iconic hat, on top of the gloves and trench coat. And then he walked out. That was very symbolic of him having the intention to retire. He didn't actually retire until, you know, a few years later. But that scene right there, um, to me, symbolized the beginning of the end of The Undertaker. And it was sad as hell, man. I mean, during that during that scene, I, I, I got to admit, I cried. You know, I got teary-eyed and it was, it was moving because I was there very, very early into the career of The Undertaker. Like, you know... Very shortly after he had debuted, I started watching wrestling. And again, from the very beginning, he was the one that captivated me. Not Hulk Hogan, not Macho Man Randy Savage, not The Ultimate Warrior, not Ric Flair. Nope. It was The Undertaker. So there's, you know, a beautiful thing to be said about longevity and about commitment to art. Whatever your art happens to be. And um, it's inspiring, man. It really is. I'll miss I'll miss Taker for sure. But um, I'm very grateful for all the years of entertainment and thrills, and that dude definitely earned his retirement <laughs> and his entry into the Hall of Fame. And I hope he gets his dues. So. Thank you, Taker.